Okay, if you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verse 15. Romans 1, verse 15. I just want to give a, a very simple but essential message. With some principles that the sooner we learn in our Christian life, the better. In a sense, many mistakes in the Christian life can be a result and outgrowth of not doing what is here. We pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. I thank you for brothers and sisters gathered round, hunger, hungry to hear your word, to be fed, Lord, in just your pleasant lands and by your green pasture. I pray that you would feed us now, cause growth through this word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Paul, he tells us in these verses, the early verses of Rome, Rome that he, he wants to go and visit the Christians in Rome. He wants to be among them. Uh, but he tells us he's, he's not able to get there uh, yet for various reasons. But he tells us here in verse 15, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And because he can't get there, he then proceeds to do it by the means of this letter. In fact, the book of Romans has been described as the, the greatest exposition of the gospel it, it uh, as we've been going through Romans at home, and I'm sure the same here, I know Dan's going through it, um, it, it's almost like looking at a diamond, you see another facet of it, so another glow, another glorious truth uh, about this gospel. But the point I want to make here is that these people in Rome are already Christians. You know, no, they, are, they are believers. He is eager to preach the gospel too. You see, when you get to... He gives all this gospel exposition in chapters 1 to 11. And then you get to the practical of how we are to live in chapters 12, 13, 14. That, that's what he's getting at. The, he sees, Paul sees various problems with this church in Rome. Problem caused by Jew and divisions of Jew and Gentile background. And you may have... You know, we, we may not have this uh, different, uh, these distinct backgrounds today, but nevertheless, there can be problems in churches created by various issues. Uh, with the Corinthians, it was certain giftings and things like that. And people were saying, you're not a Christian because you don't have the same gift as me, or you're not as holy, or whatever. But the point I want to make here is that Paul... Whenever he addresses a problem, he starts by preaching the gospel. You see, you had some in this church in Rome thinking, the thinking, what? Well, you know, I'm more holy because you have a more simple background of various things. Well, Paul Paul presents the gospel to them and shows the level playing field that everyone is in the same boat before God. 
you know, that we're all justified by by the cross. And, and that really erases the, the problems in the, in the Christian life and how we, we love one another. He does the same with Ephesians. He starts by showing us first what God has done for us. And then after doing that, he then tells us about how wives are to love their husbands and children, parents, how slaves are to be with their masters. And with, with all these epistles, the same thing happens. You see, never divorce the gospel from, from our, our, our Christian life. Because once, once you take away the gospel, once we're not gospel-centered, all you have is morality. You see, that, that is, uh, you know, people of the world can be moral. They can have morals about them. But they're, they're doing it just out of morality. But you see, as Christians, we're not called to be moral. We're called to be holy. Set apart for God. But it only comes by having these truths, uh, by having these truths central. When I say the gospel, what is the gospel? What does the word mean? The good news or good news proclaimed. And so, the, you know, the gospel, it, it is news and it says there in verse 16, Paul's not ashamed of the gospel for it is, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. It brings, it saves us from the wrath of God. You know, the wrath of God is where we're all heading. So, it's important, you know, preach the gospel to yourselves. Because, you know, rehearse the gospel, whether in songs, so many good songs we sing, uh, rehearse the gospel. You know, try and do this, because, as was, I was saying before, you know, our, our flesh, we, still, we don't get a new body till the resurrection, the flesh we still have to live in, tends to be very legalistic. And so it's easier to fall back into that mindset. It's easier to fall into a pharisaical mindset of, you, you know, of thinking, well, I did great today. And then beginning to judge our performance uh, on that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very easy uh, for, for other things. You see this, one of the, one of the devil's uh, chief tactics, if you like, is to distract Christians and from churches from the gospel centre. You, know, you don't see that in Paul, do you see? We preach Christ crucified. He wanted to know nothing among you, he said, except Christ and him crucified. Well, of course, he taught them a lot of things. But that, that was always the central thing in everything they did. So, so this is how we, we must be at, uh, at Christians. And, and the devil will often take good things and make them the central things. You know, he does this with things like... Um, you have some ch churches where all they'll ever talk about is Calvinism. You know, that becomes the central thing. You know, he takes what is essentially a, a right doctrine, uh, but it becomes the key thing rather than Christ. Sometimes people do that with end times. You know, uh, or, all the time or creation or homeschool can be, become the big thing. You know, or in one church I heard a homebreak baked bread it's, it's unbelievable but you know whenever 
whenever Christ is not our banner, if you like, is not our, our main thing, there's something wrong. You know, the, the central thing of a church should be Christ and Him crucified. That these people love Jesus. It, it worries me, sometimes you have these lists for, you know, what to look for in a good church. And the one that's normally missing from those lists is His Christ central. That these people love Christ. You know, it's normally other things because that, that's really uh, the mark, you know, the most important thing in the, you know, all others, I mean, we can, we, I mean, we homeschool, but, you know, there are Christians, godly people who, who don't too, uh, and so forth. You know, other things are, are secondary issues, important issues, which we should have strong convictions on, but, but the gospel must be the, the main thing. Because it keeps us out of a, a performance mentality. Um, you know, the, the gospel frees us from the law. Because it's the, it frees us from condemnation. You see, I mean, what ways we can easily fall into uh, Christians once we forget the gospel. I mean, you have... Um, It's like, you know, as a Christian, you want to, you want to improve. You, you want to grow, I should say. So what, what normally happens is you start setting these kind of targets or, or planning. Uh, you know, I'll get up at a certain hour, I'll pray, I'll read this amount of Bible. Nothing wrong with that, that's good. You know, as one wise person said, if you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. There's nothing wrong with being organized. But here's the problem. When we start trying to judge our acceptance by God, uh, before God by those things then, then we get into real trouble you know thinking well I'm not as accepted or feeling guilty because I, I got up half an hour later or whatever you know again plan have Bible reading times and so forth just like you plan other things in life in your day have a, have a routine but don't judge your acceptance by God uh, before God by them you know judge your acceptance before God by the gospel by what Christ has done you know realize that on your best days I deserve what Christ got on the cross you know I, if I get up do my uh, do uh, whatever Bible reading whatever praying go and witness to, to so and so do everything for the glory of God still at the end of the day all I deserve was Christ crucified you know he took the punishment on our best on our best days there you know realize that you know don't um, you know we shouldn't think we shouldn't think um, you see we can it's an easy test have we fought when we fall into this because you know do you have a do you have a um, Again, you think you're doing well, you may be at home, maybe at work, and in your devotional times, and then you go to witness to someone, you have an opportunity. You know, God presents the opportunity to share, and you do. But then another day, maybe you got up a little late, maybe a, a wife was grumpy with a husband, or vice versa. I know you never do that, of course, but... Um, but, you know, your day just goes per ship wrong but, but you've repented of it you've seen your sin then you know you've, I just have to be being the conviction come in and you, you, you know you said to God I'm sorry but then 
you get an opportunity to witness. Do you ever do that, but then feel as if you can't? Because you're too condemned. Again, that's we've got to preach the gospel to ourselves. You know, it's not base. You know, uh, our ability to witness that day shouldn't be based, we shouldn't be going in our own righteousness. But, but in what Christ has done for us. Again, don't go and do things holding on to sin. You know, well, you're still grumpy, but, but no, go before God and repent of those things. But what does First John say? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and righteous to forgive us. He's just because he's paid for them. You know, he's faithful, he'll do it every time. What does his word say? Great is his faithfulness. Newer his mercies every morning. That doesn't mean, you know, um, I, I can, you can just be merciful in the morning and you have to wait till daybreak. It means he's always like that to us. You know, as far as the east is from the west, he remembers our sins no more. That means God never counts us uh, as sinners. He brings conviction. You know, you should never feel condemned as a Christian. We should feel conviction when we sin, but never condemned. Because to condemn is to bring ourselves back under law or works mentality. You know, God will convict us and he'll put us on the right track. But there, there is therefore now no condemnation for all those that are in Christ Jesus. You know, stand on these verses. Because in the Christian life, the flesh and the devil will come with you with a, a, a hundred and one accusations. But it's only by preaching these gospel truths to ourselves that we, we have this and we have, we have this confidence uh, before God and others. You see, another way we can fall into this kind of works mentality is, you know, you read a Christian biography and you're inspired by it and it's good. And, and those things are good. They, they, can, they can challenge us and inspire us and so forth. But the problem is, again, when you start judging your acceptance with God by your ability to live up to that standard, you know, condemning yourself because you're not Amy Carmichael or Hudson Taylor. Well, Hudson Taylor's Hudson Taylor and Amy Carmichael is Amy Carmichael. You know, don't judge yourself by other Christians. Um, you know, you, you, you read about some people who, who pray like 27 hours in every 24 <laughs> And, you, and then you feel condemned. You know, I mean, was talking the other day about the um, the, the Ravenhill uh, sermons. What a, a lot of people don't realize is a lot of those are preached to pastors. Um, so someone listens to it, and um, but has a full-time job, and has to come home, and has children to look after, and different things like that. Uh, they come and do those things, uh, and then they feel condemned because they can't pray three or four hours or whatever he says well not everyone's got the same time in the you know people are called in different in different roles but like I said today there's no reason we can't worship God you know don't think again the gospel it breaks down all these sacred secular uh, distinctions we can do all to the sometimes people think well you know missions preaching that's holy work is unholy but do you realize what people are saying there? You know, Jesus, for the first however many years of his life, he worked in his father's, earthly father's carpenter shop. 
you know. So to think of work as unholy is to think of Jesus being unholy. To, th- to think of work, because sometimes you think, oh no, I've got to, you think, I've, I've got to be a mum. You know, uh, so I wish I could go out and evangelise. Well, it's great if you can, or you may think, well, I've got work today. I wish I could go out and evangelise. It's great if you can, brilliant. But don't think of, of it as less pleasing to God. You know, because obviously Jesus did not was not less pleasing to God when he was in the carpenter's shop there. He, he, was, he always pleased his father. You know, remember, our acceptance before God is always in the gospel. He, even on our best days, we must try and grind to a powder that, that works mentality, uh, that, that keeps, uh, keeps trying to creep in there. And it always will do whilst we've got this. Because why? Because our flesh wants glory. You know, you know, that's why. You see, when we do have a truly have a good day, it's only by the grace of God. You see, but it's when... Uh, but of course the devil's there saying, you did well today. And doesn't mention God in there. You know, it's, it's when we believe those lies and, and, we, and it can affect us. We can start... Uh, becoming like Pharisees, you know, looking down on others that don't live up to the same standard. You know, when it's only by God's grace in the first place. And normally, when that, when we, once we, we know as believers, and you know this is the truth, once we get into that attitude, we're heading for a fall. You know, where we're, where we're becoming self-righteous. You know, and you, you see, and even that's the grace of God, isn't it? With uh, you see it with Peter. You know, Lord, even though all others will deny you, I'll never deny you. You know, I'm not, I'm not like them. I'm <laughs> and of course, the Lord let him go to show him himself, and he sometimes does that with us. So, yeah, we're preaching the gospel to ourselves with songs. And, and again, that scripture I just referred to, First John, you know, if we confess our sins, you know, one of the devil's lies is, well, you've done it too many times now. Or you've sinned too much, or this. But, you know, how often are you to forgive your brother? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. The idea there is you keeps on going. It's not like a, a literal... a literal amount. It's not like, you know... I can't do the math, but... 490, is it? Yeah, it's not like, you know, you, you, you're like, you can stand there saying 485 times I've done that. It's just five more times and forgive, no more forgiveness. No, the idea is you, you, if, if you keep in count, you're not forgiven in the first place. Well, but if we're to be like that with others, that's how God is like with us. You know, of course, in one sense, he has already forgiven us, but we, we, are, to, we are to ask for forgiveness daily and uh, to, uh, or confess our sins because we want a clear conscience before God. And bring, but it's, again, the only way is by the gospel. You know, pre- think, think when you do sin as Christians. What, what are typical, and especially with new Christians, they get into this trap where they, they're in a sort of sin bin. Where, you know, I can't go into the presence of God now. You, you say, right, I've repented of the sin. I know it's wrong, but I'll have to kind of do some kind of penance. So you think, um, 
Hang on, I'll get my Bible, I'll read five chapters. And, um, and if I do this, that and the other, then it should. Then it'll kind of work off a bit of guilt there. But again, that's, that's not the gospel, that's, that's works. <coughs> but rather, we should say, Lord, I only had any, any part with you in the first place because of what Christ has done. And I only have any part now, so I come to you by his blood confessing our sins knowing he's faithful and just so so never think as believers the gospel is something you do before you get saved and moved on you know it's just central to the Christian life any questions There's a little book that is very useful. Uh, it's by C.J. Mahaney. Um, I recommend it, but I forget the title of it. Can anyone help me out? Um, it's about the importance of preaching the gospel to yourself. How do you spell the last name? Uh, C.J. Mahaney. M-H-M-A-H-A-N-E-Y. And put it in Google it and it'll correct Myself. But if you just put about preaching the gospel to yourself, I'm sure it will come up the title or book on that. That actually may be the title. It may be. I'm sure it's something else. Another one I highly recommend is called The Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. that is just excellent. It's just basically it's in little portions so you can read along with your devotional times. I also have it in audio Bible, uh, in audio books so you can just play a bit and it tell, basically tells you a truth about the facets of the gospel. Kevin, would you elaborate any advice to young believers pertaining to uh, personal Bible study, devotional Bible study as well as prayer times and keeping in mind both stay at home moms as well as working dads yeah Yeah. Uh, Bible reading time uh, I think it's best to have have a time uh, kind of a, a main time but as to your schedule you know it may be different with you you know, I used to get into the mistake of think, right, I give my best to God, my best hours to God. So, right, I wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning, set my alarm early, read a bit, go to bed. And, and, but the problem is, I, I was just, I couldn't remember a thing I read. That wasn't, that, I, I suddenly realized after a while that wasn't my best hours. My best hours were when I was alert to read it. You know, when I was undistracted there. You see, sometimes, and it may work for someone, it may work for someone to get up at at five o'clock, have the time then, you know, the house is quiet and it's great, but you have, say, a a mother who's, let's say a mother whose children are getting up, her children wakes up and they're running around like crazy at at 6am, so she thinks, I'll set my alarm for 5.30, and it just kills her, you know, it'd be much better for the mother to get up with the children uh, organize them for the day set them doing stuff and then like come whatever time maybe it's half nine maybe it's ten o'clock uh, the children are all busy whatever settled right this is my time Bible cup of coffee you know here I am 
Some people, it may be last thing at night, the best time in those things. Or, or, or maybe it's so, you know, sometimes I hear of Christians that work, um, they're getting up super early, uh, early and, you know, and it may work for you. Or it may be better to get, get to work at a, a good hour, um, you know, half an hour early or whatever, and then have your Bible reading time in the car before. You know, there's no set way of doing it. But but as I say, it's best to plan. Uh, as for kind of what to read, I, I hear many times people telling me that you've got to have this Bible reading plan or you've got to do it this way. But for me, I've learned if someone's reading the Bible as a pastor, I'm satisfied. You know, so long as they're not doing kind of, you know, random verse... Uh, when I, I mean they are reading it but whether there's different ways and different plans but if someone's in it because what tends to happen is someone's they're reading it they're enjoying it they're getting out of it and someone comes along and says oh no you've got to do it this this is the only plan that works so they change that and it, whilst it worked for the other person it didn't work for them um, one preference I do have though is I prefer a method that gets you around the Bible uh, I use the McShane plan uh, I have a, an app on my phone where I kind of tick it off when I've done, just so I can keep track. I, track. I don't mean as a checklist, right? I've done my good deed for a day, but it just helps me. And this, because what I find, without without a plan that takes me through the Bible, uh, I I just kind of go to my favourite books and then miss miss a lot of it. So this is, you know, I trust God word and obviously I'm not going to study it the same as if um, I was in one book but uh, I find it's uh, profitable uh, you know so yeah, well, there's different Bible reading plans whatever works for you you know the same with translations you know there's, there's, there's several good translations I use ESV uh, there's NAS New King James the King James is a good translation if you can read it but I think it's better to have an NIV that you can understand than a King James you can't um, you know but but yeah but take you know when people are wanting a Bible or to, uh, to change just just have a read of one online see which one you like best because the one you most I like the ESV because of its readability so I'm going to read I'm going to enjoy reading it more. Um, I, I have a little bit of issues with comprehension sometimes. In what, sorry? In comprehending some, right. sometimes. Yeah. Maybe that just come in time. In understanding the scripture. Um, I, mean, I know I could always go to other brothers and ask them just for my own personal hmm. understanding. Well, what, when... You know, when I read the Bible, like in my McShane plan, four chapters a day, I may not grasp every single thing in there. There'll be some things that will strike out to me that day and I'll, I may be thinking about it. You know, what exactly does he mean by this? You know, why, why, is, why, are we, why is he saying this? What, why is it recorded for us and so forth? And, but there are other things I'll skip over for, for another time. You know... Um, I mean, I, I preached a sermon a couple of years ago um, in Romans 10, who shall ascend into heaven? Or do not say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Or, um, you know, for, 
for years reading that, I finally got it, but for years reading that, I think, oh, what on earth does that mean? And kind of skipped over. And, and that's what it can be often like, especially with some passages. You know, we, we're not going to co- comprehend everything, single thing, but, you know, ask God to help us. And some things do strike out at us more. So, But what, what, what it can be good to have is uh, a notepad, as we read and you know questions write them down and sometimes see you see sometimes it's very easy uh, to just look up a commentary and uh, and hear what someone else says about it and sometimes it, there's different opinion but but sometimes God works on us you know by th- by thinking about it and grasping about it before that's why I'm not um, I'm not the biggest fan of study Bibles, although I don't outlaw them totally, because it's very easy to jump to the commentary all the time and read more of the commentary in the text. But, um, yeah. The name of that book was Keeping the Gospel the Main Thing. Keeping the Gospel the Main Thing. The C.J. Mahaney, yeah. The, the other one's called The Gospel Primer by Milton B. Vincent. What would you say to help a, not necessarily just a new, new Christian, but um, that struggling with uh, the settings and but they just feel like they're they're losing a battle with a particular sin in their life. They see how the Lord is helping them in other areas, but there's a, just a particular thing they just feels like they just keep hitting the wall. Uh, again, go to the gospel. You know, there's no other. You see, sometimes people get caught up in "Am I saved? Am I not saved? I've got the sin in my life." But whether someone is Backslidden, or whether uh, you know, uh, as in whether someone is a true believer but just struggling, or whether someone is never saved in the first place, the remedy is exactly the same: mm-hmm. repent and believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think of the the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, that's true for for salvation in the first place, but it's also true as a Christian, as Spurgeon used to call it, the backslider's parable. You see, not only does God run to us, if you like, to embrace us in the first place, but this is every time we repent. You know, but um, you know, it's it's us on the other way. You know, so so yeah, we we are, we we can't think of our we feel unworthy to go. But again, it's it's not our worthiness to go. It's always the gospel. You know, with besetting sins again we we can get you know I mean as we've been going through Romans about freedom from law to uh, to overcome sin and things like that um, one bit of advice I gave uh, was never never get a book on how to deal with a sin you don't struggle with or, or that, because you probably will do at the end of it because it just doesn't more sin. You know that happens. Someone struggles with a certain thing, so they hear a sin on dealing with a, uh, hear a sermon on dealing with a certain sin, and it's oh, everybody in my church has got to listen to this. And 
and what what happens. You know, to use an old analogy, because um, people think of when we're struggling with someone, we can think in terms of you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. But you know, if I say uh, stop thinking of cro- cockroaches, you know, s- don't think of cockroaches crawling all over your bed. What's the first thing you think of? Yeah, and the more you try and not think of cockroaches, the more you think of that. But if I say, you know, just think of the, uh, the most beautiful sunset, you stop thinking about cockroaches. You know, uh, John Piper was once asked, uh, what's the best remedy for someone struggling with, with the sin of lust or, or another sin? He said, uh, read the attributes of God in, in Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. <laughs> because whilst you, you're focusing on how glorious God is, you're not thinking about sin and other things. You know, sometimes we learn this as, as parents. Sometimes our, our children can get into to like a tiz and uh, where, where it, I don't know if you use that. It's kind of a, a slang word, I think. But it, but it basically means where they're just stuck. You know, that maybe they're having a tantrum or whatever, or they're, or they're frustrated over some, and they're just stuck, they can't get out. And the way you get out of them is, is just distract them. You know, and so, sometimes, it, and it's, it's kind of the only way, <laughs> sometimes. And, and, but the same with us, we can be distracted by other things. You know, because you, you, when you have... Uh, Thoughts, being hit by, you know, tempting thoughts or, um, again, when we try to think, I should not think of that, I should not think, I should not, and you, it's only stirring up more sin. And, but typically people try to create a vacuum in the mind, but that just makes a playground for the devil. You know, it's kind of a Buddhist, you just empty your mind. You know, but the Christian idea is always, you know, to him who steals, steal no longer, but work. You know, when we find ourselves unloving to someone, the, the idea is not to be neutral, but go out and love them. It's just sitting as you were saying this. It, I mean, you see that in the law of the old covenant and the law of the new covenant. The law of the old covenant is thou shalt not, thou shalt not, don't do this, don't wear garments and mix, don't sew and mix, and just all these, don't do this, don't do this. The law of the new covenant is love. Yeah. It's not the don't, it's the do. <laughs> yeah. And this, yeah, because as Paul says, when you love, you fulfill the law. You 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 do no wrong to your neighbour. If you're loving your neighbour, you're not going to go after your neighbour's wife or steal from your neighbour. You know, and that is the, the really should be the guiding principle in a Christian's life. How, how can I love and and but I mean, going back to when temptations come and things like that, and and kind of you know rather than thinking thou shall not, thou shall not, uh, but we, uh, or rather than trying to empty our mind, replace, you know, think on what is noble, what is good, what is, you know, uh, these things. Again, distract our mind with something else. And, and one thing I, I learned, and it took me a while to get this, it doesn't always have to be reading the Bible, because you can't always do that. You know, you could be tempted at work or something, or on another situation, or, be, or with a housewife, with... 101 jobs to do and uh, you know it's not as if you can you can just pick, sit down and pick up the bike but the distraction could be in your work doing it for the glory of God or just doing something fun with the children 
or you know it, it doesn't have to be uh, again we're making this kind of funny distinction because the fact is we can't read our Bibles 24 hours a day or unless you're a David Brainharder you know so yeah go and play some sport or something or some other mindless activity that can equally be a, a distraction there you know could, yeah <laughs> ride your bike yeah yeah, I mean, I get whole sermons right, and a lot of times, and I can pray for people, and and then I'll, sometimes I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, I'm not sitting there. <laughs> How would you counsel young Christians at work who are just surrounded by the filth, the vile talk, the gossip, the slander? What would you tell them to do? I mean, they got guys right in front of them just talking about the wicked things they've done, cursing, using the Lord's name in vain. What would you encourage them to do? Christians at work is one of the things I've, I've had to repeatedly teach on. Uh, one is because we had a la- first we had a lazy attitude where Christians didn't, they got saved, but they were just lazy and didn't want to work. Um, so I had to teach them on you know a scriptural attitude but then they got jobs and they all wanted to leave the jobs because they were saying oh they, they play secular music on the radio and or, or, or someone else you know someone uh, said a, 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 a profane joke or whatever so they want to leave but you see Christians are to be are to be in the world not of it we're not called to come out of the world completely you know, Jesus, he hung around tax collectors. And, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't set up this Christian-only society and just go, go and witness to them. You know, we're not going to be salt and light unless we are uh, around sinners. So, you know, pray for grace in those situations. You know, if there's gossip especially, um, you know, don't join in the sin. But, but again... I think Christians can make the mistake. We can we cannot approve of things, and we can be salt and light. For instance, uh, I remember someone once he he, he came uh, a guy I used to work with, and he came to me and he said, "You know," he said, "I had a builder at my house," and I said to him, "How come you don't swear and cuss?" And he says, "Well, I'm a Christian," and he says, "I instantly thought the only other person I know who doesn't swear and cuss is Kevin." And he's a Christian too, and of course it led to you know an opportunity uh, for for the, for the gospel there. But but you see, there's an example of someone he is being salt and light. But we can make the mistake, I think, of just overly frowning on people, uh, you know, for for whatever reason, you know, saying ha sinner. Over when you know, remember we was exactly the same and would be the same or worse if it wasn't for the for the grace of God there. So. There's a way of not 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 approving of stuff, but but still uh, bringing redeeming love to a to, to a situation there. You know, seeing people seeing it, it means kind of nothing to us. And and also remember when you're troubled, you know, because it can be troubling hearing that kind of conversation. But remember, it's their sin; it's not your sin. You know, ask for a cleansing at the end of the day. 
because people sometimes are condemned, uh, feel condemned, or because they're, they're hearing someone else sin, but it's their sin, it's not your sin. You're called to work. You know, you're called to be around those people. So, yeah, but see it as being salt and, salt and light. And, and just, just pray, pray for grace. situation at work and I brought this up to a couple brothers um, <clears throat> and you're witnessing to somebody and you're a new believer mm-hmm. and they say something to you like oh well, I'm a Christian too and uh, you know I I talked to this guy and I witnessed to him and I saved him I told him to believe in Jesus and I saved him because they said a prayer and you know that's wrong but you don't know where to take him to scripture or you don't know how to just uh, you don't want to like mess up that witness Do yeah. you just stay quiet well, the first thing I say, you know, in work, we're there to work, first of all. So, um, you know, witnessing to someone, pray for those opportunities, but and maybe break times, or maybe you have a job where people just talk all day long about ever, anything and everything, and so it's okay. Uh, but it should never, it should never distract us or or the other person from the job. Otherwise, we're stealing from our employer there. You know, so we're called to to work, and you know we should should be examples. And sometimes as well, you know, when someone has proved themselves kind of indispensable and a good worker, they can have they can, over a time they can kind of earn more authority to witness and be able to uh, correct behaviour and things like that. But they've got to see our life first. You know, you know our example. You know, because um, I've heard people before where they've witnessed to someone at work and told them the loss but it's only because they've annoyed them or you know things things coming out like that so we never want to fall in that or or someone's getting rebuked from the boss and because uh, but the boss was a professing Christian and so they start talking about the boss's salvation you know well that's not the time to witness you know so but 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 as for when you do get the time you know, and pray for opportunities. There can be break times. Or like I said, there are some jobs where it is okay to talk just all day long and all people do. But And it doesn't distract from, from the job. You know, there may be things like that too. Um, yeah, I, I would be gentle. But if you don't know, just like in everyday life, it might be in the family, not just in the workplace, where you know something's wrong, but then you don't. Then, then go home and learn about it. You know, or you could even say, "I don't think that's quite right," and say, um, "I say I'm a new Christian. I don't know, but I'll, I'll go home and have a look, and then ask your pastor or, or whatever, and if you still can't find it, you know, because this this challenges us. It's like when you witness to someone when you become a new Christian, and and they say something that seems kind of odd, and you know it's not right." Um, but you don't know how to explain it. Well, it, you know, it challenges us to go and mm-hmm. to go and look it up, and so we're ready for the next time. And of course, then then you go the next time, and and you're ready for that question, and and it, they're not even talking about it, but you tell them anyway, <laughs> and it never comes up then for the next hundred times, and then then it comes up and you've forgotten it. <laughs> but. Uh, what is your advice as 
far as you know when you're witnessing to somebody who's a believer and not or not a believer mm. but when like you're placing a stumbling block in front of them like, you know the the in Romans 14 it tells us not to place that there but how do you how do you, how do you avoid that because they believe that one thing but it's the gospel says another yeah, well, I mean, the idea there of placing a stumbling block is, um, I mean, it implies the, with really uh, a Christian, not to stumble a Christian, but, but you know, Paul said in, in Corinthians also, to the Jew I became a Jew, to those under the law I became under the law, and so forth. So, but the idea there is not causing unnecessary offence. You know, if you, I mean, we did door to door once on Jewish houses, well, we didn't have a pork pie in our hand while was doing it you know which would have just been you know un- unnecessary is is the idea by that um, you know with with regards to, to, to you know because you know the stumbling blocks are non you see the issue is I mean you have um, Paul he gets one of his men circumcised the other, uh, 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 and yet, and it goes and offers a sacrifice. To, a, to in the other case, he rebukes Peter to his face because they were getting circumcised. You see, in, love dictates what what was best to do on that situ- on each situation. There, you see, in one case, it was we're going to uh, go into this temple as quietly as possible with no fuss, and then we're going to preach the gospel. You know that was the issue. No unnecessary offence first, but but in the other case, um, you had people saying you need to do this for your salvation. You know you need to go and get get circumcised. So so again, we, as Christians, we should we we don't want to stumble a weaker brother, but we shouldn't have our conscience dictated uh, by by legalism at the same time. You know, D.A. Carson gives a wonderful example. He says, if I'm, if I'm uh, out at a restaurant and there's uh, a weaker brother there, let's say he has a problem with alcohol, he has an alcoholic background or whatever, for whatever reason, um, I'm not going to ask for any wine. But he says, if I've got some legalist who, who's there, who doesn't have a problem with wine, but he's just trying to put his convictions on everyone else, you know, bring the bottle on the table. You know, I hope that kind of. <laughs> you know, I mean, people come out with all sorts of advice. You know, they'll say things like, "Oh, when you witness to a Jew, don't put your Bible on the floor." And uh, I think a lot of it's just nonsense, really. Just kind of because the per- the person doesn't doesn't really care anyway. He never reads his Bible or. You know, because you you can witness to a Muslim, and they'll say, "But but if you're like Christ, why haven't you got a beard?" You know that they, that's how they see holiness mm-hmm. of growing a beard a certain length. And um, but the way to witness to them, I don't believe, is grow a beard. You know that they need to see that you've got the joy and contentment without that. Is not grow a beard. I think that's all right. Kevin, what kind of advice would you give to 
a new believer in terms of dealing with their lost family members, how that relationship by necessity changes when you convert it. That's probably the biggest struggle most people, self-included things. Yeah. Um, well, with our, when we get converted in our families, in our workplace, the last thing they need to see is a Pharisee. Um, you know, like I said this morning, uh, you know, the kingdom of God, like Scripture says, you know, it's not eating or drinking. You know, we don't want to give the impression that the kingdom of God is just an outward list of rules. The, you know, keeping certain days or whatever and not eating certain foods. You know, the kingdom of God is not homeschool or not listening to this music or never going to the cinema or, you know, sometimes people can give the impression that that's what the kingdom of God is. You know, but righteousness and, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So, so basically, you know, with our around people we meet in daily life with our workmate, with our family members again, they, they need to see someone who loves someone who's loving um, who can get around them but it's salt and light and, and we and pray for opportunities that will ask us for the hope that is within us you know, the mistakes I've made in the past is one, being like a Pharisee, the other is being saved but having a lot of um, bad theology in the circles I was in and then bombing them with um, all the bad stuff <laughs> yeah, which uh, now you want to give them the good stuff but it's you've already given them all the bad stuff and mm. you know but so but again yeah be praying for the praying for the opportunities we, we've only had I think in our outer family one person I think saved uh, which was my grandma late on We've had my other grandma who we gave her a book, um, and she, you know, for Christmas, a gospel witnessing book, and she just said, "Right, that's going in the shredder," and just shredded the whole book. Mm. Um, now uh, that was probably a mercy of God, uh, knowing what the book is now. Uh, it's not one that I recommend, but it was earlier on my walk. Probably better shredder. Your book like now. <laughs> well, <it's not. laughs> yeah. yeah, but just I was just thinking, going back to the other question of stumbling blocks, you know, and and it really relates to families. Is you know sometimes families can be difficult on certain things, but if we go in the extra mile in other areas. If people are seeing that, you know, we're, we're loving them. It's like at work, you know, if people see you're, you're, we're blameless in our conduct and job and 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 go at the extra mile to be helpful. You know, as, as Christians, we've, we've had things where, you know, someone asks you to be a godfather at Catholic christening. You know, things like that. Well, you, you can't do that as a Christian. You know, you, you can't say... You know, and I was trying to explain to my brother in one instance, I, I, you know, I can't say those words. And so which my brother replied, uh, he says, he says, look, he says, I, I, I go to church every Sunday and I say all those words on the Catholic card. He said, I don't believe them either. 
<laughs> but, uh, oh. you know, he uh, said, well, it's a little different. <laughs> but you see, that's how people think, and I, I don't know if it's the same in the U.S., but, uh, you know, you, you don't want to go to, say, a, 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 you can't be a godfather or whatever, or a godparent because of, you know, religious beliefs. You know, people are deeply offended. But if someone else says, oh, I, I would love to, but I've got a season ticket at the football game, and that's perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that, that's the way, way it is that here in the... But... But but even there you get you know if we're going yeah if they're seeing us we love them and upset them in other areas uh, then those things soon uh, just disappear and go over. You know show people we do you know do do people know that if they, if if they are maybe at whatever stage they think about the soul they can go to you. They can go to to us for help or whatever. I'm trying to think about Jesus and said he could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief and he went back to his, to his hometown. Yeah. Um, but he could do some. It's not, it's, not, it's not without hope. It's not impossible. Yeah. You know, he, he could do some miracles yeah, he could do some, and and you, I think of though, you know, some of the disciples they went straight away when they found the Messiah. They went straight away and called the brothers. You know, so it can happen the other way too. And again, God is sovereign. You know, but our, our conduct around uh, is a big, big thing. Because of course they're always looking for some something to say. Well, you're just like me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's funny. They're looking to call you a hypocrite in the same time, just like me. Also have kids, you know, is that now they've been saved and they have kids, and the kids are going to see differences. Like, well, you know what I mean? Um, when we sin, before the kids, we will, you know, be sorry, say this wasn't consistent with Christ. You know, we, you know, they can see hypocrisy. Um, we we want to be real before them Um, one thing that I found was helpful is uh, a brother I know uh, pastor he he stayed early I mean he he came to me and he he preached at another pastor I won't mention names but uh, you know two godly men he preached at another pastor's church and he said he rebuked him to his face. He was saying, how, how can you let your little children watch or, or do whatever? And he, and he said, look, he said, they're lost. You know, he said, I can't expect them to live the Sermon on the Mount as Christians. 
you know, when I say watch, it wasn't like he was letting them watch whatever horror movie or whatever. You know, there still were standards, but um, but what I'm saying here is sometimes we can exasperate by putting too high of a standard. You know, as I heard Lloyd Jones say the other day, um, that one of the mistakes the Puritans made was trying to legislate the world lives like Christians. You know, you need a new heart. And, you know, we're to bring our children up uh, as, as godly as we can and so forth. But, uh, because you see this in, in, you know, some of the family integrated movements, don't you, with all the kind of legalism there. Um, they only tell you about the, the success stories, but, but not those who just kind of go the other way into into gross sin you know you know one after another who go away thinking well Christianity is, is a list of you know again just an outward you shall not you know so we must be careful not to exasperate our children I think you know many a times um, we can think we, we know we we should we know I mean we've learned things like getting our children to bed at a certain hour and things like that just common sense things at uh, little children otherwise they can be off in the morning and what about um, having your children around relatives who are lost spending the night at cousin's house should would that be a good thing or <laughs> uh, it depends on your cousin it depends on your children um, I think as a principle don't use lost children to evangelize um, you know it's only going to corrupt the other way um, you know we're called to evangelize the, the world you know not our children it's like people say well don't homeschool you've got to send your kids to school so you can evangelize your neighborhood well we're called to do that not our children um, but I wouldn't say absolutely no to it you, you may know the particular person whether it's a family member and maybe someone who respects you know you, you can because you can, you, you can have your child stay with an unsaved relative who respects your Christian beliefs uh, and it's perfectly fine and, and, and it can be a way of building bridges and relations with them and so forth and uh, not alienating family members or it, you know you could have some another relatives who they're, they're purposely putting exposing your children to things you don't like trying to influence the other way in which case it, it could be wrong so, so uh, there's no hard and fast rule there but it is so every, and it, that's the way the Christian life is you know we want everything in black and white kind of law for everything you know it's like a, a while back the question came kept coming up about films and programs which are suitable and everyone they want a, a law kind of this is this is not and it makes, makes it very easy but one conviction person may be different for, from another and so forth and But yeah, pray about those things. Um, it can be difficult, and we can learn. And I, I, we read a book, a wonderful book by Kevin DeYoung. Um, 
in fact, we read two. I'm not sure which book it was in. I think it was in Crazy Busy. Um, but the idea, sometimes we can be, or it may have been his Will of God book, but the, 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 the idea was sometimes we can so be worried about making the wrong decision with our children that it's going to, you know, it's going to, it, it can make us miserable because we're, we're dwelling on every situation. You know, thinking if I do this one thing wrong, um, you know, my children are going to go to hell. This is, this is it now. When, you know, we, we're ultimately, we're not realizing that God is in control and we're becoming Arminians in our thinking. You know, we've got to, that does, doesn't make us less responsible to make good decisions and so forth, but, but, you know, God, just like he does in our own life, he can correct our mistakes and give us grace and, we're trying to honor him. Well, just to, I was going to say, I mean, you, you really hit on it there for, for her question. I, I would never give my children to anyone who I knew would willfully go mm. against uh, my wishes for yeah. them. You know, I don't care who mm. it is. Mm. Um, I mean, that's a, that would be a hard and fast rule. Yeah. That's one that I... Hmm. That I used to go by. It wasn't so. It wasn't whether they're Christian or not. It's yeah. Could I trust them to respect my wishes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can get a, a Christian, can't you, in yes. a family who can go against your wishes just yes. the same. You know, put some kind of quirky theology on them. struggling with submitting to your husband when for all these years it was kind of not doing that at all. Um, perhaps a godly wife would be better, but, you know, <laughs> who doesn't struggle with that? Yeah. You know, the thing is, um, apart from Terry Jennings never seemed to. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Um, he said, you have to just learn to trust that God loves your husband and God loves you. And so whatever it is that your husband decides, God has ordained it and he loves you and it's not going to harm you. That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I said this before I left to the church. It's very easy to submit to someone whom we agree uh, when, when we already that's not submission is it you know if we can only submit to someone on everything we agree with then it's we're just submitting to ourselves you know the, the submission is really submitting to the will of another which sometimes sometimes can be hard but you know that that's what we're called to do and I think one of the key things though is you know you can pray for your husband. Is it a matter of indifference? You know, is it something huge? Um, but when he, he turns, if he turns out to be wrong, as we do many times, you know, I, I don't think it's good for the wife to say, "Ha ha, I told you so." <laughs> I'll try and um, I'll try and force her own way out anyway. You know, try to manipulate. You know, and, and try to lead in that. Again, the. 
you know, a lot of the times um, Christian wives will have uh, problems with the husbands not leading uh, to her standard, and but quite often the, the problem is the wife's trying to lead and doing all the lead and trying to force her, her own way, and um, and the more a man feels belittled, the less he'll the less he'll be able to function anyway. Um, but when he has the support of his wife. And the other thing to remember, you know, that you have that, the more he has support of his wife, the more he will be able to lead anyway. But, but the, the other thing I was going to say is on, um, you know, when, when Jesus, with the, you have the example with the centurion there being under authority. And he, and he gave that example and he says, you know, well, he, he said, I say to one man, go, and he goes do and he does and Conrad Merrill points out that that centurion could have been a, I mean he probably wasn't but he could have been a little puny man mm-hmm. it doesn't matter whilst he was under the authority of Caesar he said to his men go and they go well you see the point is well he was under authority he had authority but the moment he took himself out of authority of his God ordained authority in his case his general he had no authority. You know, he could have been the biggest man, but if he just took himself out of authority, and it's the same in all walks of life. You know, uh, when a, a Christian uh, wife takes herself from out of the authority of her husband, the children can see that and don't respect the authority there. You know, it's, it's only while she's under authority um, that she has authority. Yeah, so many <laughs> different spectrums of things there, but I think when a when a woman or a wife chooses knows her husband mm. is not perfect but she's striving to be godly mm. and even though he makes mistakes I think it's really easy to submit to that because you know he's in charge and yeah. you can try to reason with him if you don't agree with him on certain yeah. things but at the end he has the, he has the last word mm. and you don't, like you said you don't go ha 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 I told you so when he messes up yeah. and he doesn't do that to you yeah, I mean, count, count, count your blessings, as the song goes. You know, especially if you're married to a Christian man, mm-hmm. married to someone who is trying to serve God, uh, may not be as perfect as you. <laughs> um, I say I say that, you know, with a hint of sarcasm, but that's that's what the devil always tells us, doesn't he? You know, if 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 only my husband could lead more like me, or. You know, and but you know, count your blessings. You know, you you you, you probably all know of of Christians' wives uh, married to an unbeliever and how much harder it is and things like that. And 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 many people in worse situations. So count your blessings. You have got a Christian man who's trying to follow God, and, and uh, yeah, I love the advice by Ruby there. Because 
I was just going to say the devil always is going to whisper those things of division and I mean, one, one thing I will say is, you know, these things are always... You never get to the point in the Christian life where you think, right, I've perfected that. You know, these struggles, this battle with the flesh is always going to be there. Maybe it's good to, when you see someone, who is like, uh, I, I don't know, in the example of Ruby, whether Ruby just said that as advice or you asked, but when, when you see someone content like that and, and is submissive and, uh, and so forth, maybe it's good to ask for advice to those people and it's an encouragement to them at the same time you know you're, you're, when you're asking well, there's something we can learn from everyone yeah I mean we, we had the problem I mean this is how the devil gets in we had two couples in our church uh, both married now, but just before they got married, um, one um, I can't I can't remember. One one of the the brothers did something for his fiance, and the other brother did something completely different for for theirs. Uh, you know, as in a good deed kind of thing. It was it might have been hiring a car for a certain occasion. They didn't have one, or, or you know something. But both of them were thinking, why can't my man be like him? They were both thinking that, and you know that's typical uh, of the devil. You know, comparing. You know, you'll have two wives thinking, if only my husband could be more like that, and her husband's thinking, if only I, he he could be more like him. And you know, point the devils and our flesh points out our faults, uh, or no, it doesn't point out our faults so much unless it's trying to condemn us, but points out other people's. You know, if we're thankful and content, content yeah, be, be content in God and His gospel, what Christ has done. Yeah, that phrase of John Bradford, for the grace of God, there go I. Oh, there goes John Bradford. Look for.
Do you know what it is really good for new believers? Uh, there's a series uh, at, they, at Lake Road we got ours from that they've kind of modified uh, the Don Whitney book on spiritual disciplines. Yeah, really. But they, it's yeah, yeah. They wrote, I think, they adapted it. There's uh, like 13 lessons, uh, spiritual disciplines for godliness in the Christian life, and goes over things like Bible reading, prayer time, and giving, uh, evangelism, all the other things, and uh, it is really, really good. That I just suggest that as something that might be good to go over at some point. I think I have the. Sure, pile for that. Mm. We will try to make a habit of this Sunday afternoons after the meal. You know, to stay around. Uh, have something prepared and we'll go through. Ask your question. Ask a question. Will you be back next year? Uh, Lord willing, I don't know. I've come for the last five years. I never know when I leave, but... (laughs) (laughs) We don't plan that far ahead, (laughs) normally.